Hey everyone, it's Cam. This episode is sponsored by Mark's Home Healthcare. If you have someone in your family that that is elderly or disabled and needs home healthcare services, you can't go wrong with Mark's. They have highly trained, professional, in-home caregivers available 24 hours a day. They also have convenient office locations in Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn, and Buffalo. I personally know people that have benefited from their services. They also accept most health insurances. Take a look at their website at markshhc.com to find out more. Hi, I'm Nargis Hakim Rahman, and I'm bringing you a special series on Boney in collaboration with South Asian American Digital Archive about 10 of Metro Detroit's Bangladeshi women entrepreneurs. Learn more at sada, S-A-A-D-A dot org. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Shamsun Nehar. I am the owner of Cakes by Lucky, and I have founded the business in 2014. So my first question is, Shamsun, I know that you grew up in Bangladesh. Can you tell me about your upbringing? So, yes, I was born in Bangladesh and I have moved to U.S. in my teenage year. Um, I had a good timing of my childhood, you know, living in Bangladesh and growing up with my grandparents, which was uh, a very different uh, family dynamics than um, what I have had in um, America. So growing up in Bangladesh, um, you know, I lived with my parents, of course. My dad was an accountant. My mom was a homemaker. And also I had a paternal grandparent who um, we lived with. And he was very involved with um, our local politics. He was a social worker. So um, when I was growing up, I had the opportunity to closely observe um, his work. I also um, occasionally got to spend time with my maternal grandparents and um, also my family from the maternal side. So, um, which I dearly uh, missed when I moved to USA. It was it was a very different cultural shock for me in terms of when back in Bangladesh you grow up in in a culture where it's basically you know everybody is from the same background. Everybody has same religion, um, same uh, background, ethnicity. You know whatever you want to say it. It's just one country that you're growing up with. You don't really see diversity. But then um, when I moved to America, I had a cultural shock of seeing a very completely different culture. And I had to adapt to this culture at a time when, you know, when a girl is going through her teenage years, it's a very confusing um, time. So I think uh, it was it was difficult. But at the same time, it has shaped me uh, 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 to be a different person. I think it has impacted me very positively, I would say, because um, the, the the struggle makes you, you know, can make you better or worse. And and I feel that, you know, I I was blessed with people, good people around me who actually motivated me to be- do better. Can you tell me where you grew up in Bangladesh? Um, can you d- describe, you know, what your home looked like? In Bangladesh, I lived in a place where um, it was not located in the city and it was not located completely in the rural place. Um, it was in between where I was very close to um, villages and in the village areas. And if I went to visit villages, I could uh, easily observe people living in the village life. 
And also, like, I was very close to the city. And, you know, when I visited the city, I could also observe, like, how the city lifestyle was. Um, I lived in uh, northeast of Bangladesh. It's actually, we don't want to say it's a state. It's, it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, smaller than a state, but it's called Silet and it's broken into four different main areas. So part of Silet, there was, um, you know, there was Silet itself, and then there was four other uh, main parts of it. And I was part of the Silet. And when I, where I lived, it was very close to um, the military area as well. So I had to, I had the opportunity to even attend um, the school that is, um, you know, ran by the military, which also had a different um, impact on my life because it also brought me into a lifestyle of more discipline and structure. Can you tell me, um, when did you move to the U.S. and how did your upbringing impact you today? I moved to U.S. in 2001. And um, when I moved, I moved to Wisconsin. I didn't move uh, to Michigan, uh, you know, from the beginning. Living in Wisconsin in my teenage year was a little bit uh, difficult, I would say, just because uh, I lived in a small town called Platteville, and it was mainly um, white. And um, I, when I attended the high school there, I was the only brown person. Back then, I also started um, the hijab, the the headscarf, and it was it was a struggle for me just to accept that kind of uh, look and identity for myself while also look very different to amongst your peers. I had to teach myself how to educate others back then and also be, uh, be strong about who I was um, in a world that is not you know, easy for you and not look, that does not look like you. And I, I think that also has impacted my personality a lot. Um, I think um, when you're a teenager and you're going through some hardship and you have to, you know, figure it out on your own that how you you are going to handle it, because what happens in school or what happens with your peers, you don't come home and talk about it, and you try to you don't try to figure out like with elders. So, um, but I, but I was blessed with uh, many good friends who were very understandable who were very supporting of a, of a different religion, of a different culture. So I think um, I, got, I drew a lot of my strength from there. That's amazing to hear that. Can you tell me, uh, when did you move to the Detroit area? And what was, like, what was that move like? So I moved to Michigan when I, uh, you know, I completed my high school and I had to start uh, my college. And because I had a lot of families already living in Michigan, it was easy for me and my family to live here and get all the support that um, we needed. The transition, I would say, was very easy, but it was, um, again, a, you know, for a you know, teenage girl to move to a different state when, um, you know, you are still figuring out yourself um, was difficult. When I was going to high school in Platteville, Wisconsin, I made friends who were mostly white. So again, it was very different than what I had in Bangladesh. You know, all my friends were Bangladeshis. And then you come to America and I, 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 you know, you go to a high school where it's all white and you make friends, you know, in a different culture. And then you move to Michigan, which is very, very diverse. And, you know, I started Wayne State and I remember um, it was I was scared because I saw people from very, very different background all over the world. 
uh, it was fascinating, but at the same time, I wasn't sure how I was going to fit in. So I think I became a little bit introvert at the beginning, but then I, you know, I saw people embracing me because of my religion, my culture, because of my background, uh, and and because of like because maybe I look different, and everything made it easy for me. I would say. Because um, Michigan is a very diverse community. Obviously, I did not, um, before coming to Michigan, I did not have that kind of experience. Like I said, you know, you're in Bangladesh, you're in one, you know, one type of culture. And then you moved, you know, when I moved to uh, Wisconsin, there was a, uh, no, another different culture. And it wasn't diverse. But then when I moved to Michigan, it was, I got to see everything. And it was like a melting pot that you come in and you blend in with everyone and you find yourself within everyone. So it was, I would say, because it was such a, I would say, a, a very encouraging experience that Michigan is still home for me. Do you remember the first day you came to Michigan? Do you remember what you were doing or anything about the first day? It's been a long time, so... I don't remember exactly the first day, but I remember that uh, because we had a lot of family members already living in Detroit. So when the first day when I, you know, when we came, it was like overwhelmed with joy. And it was that, you know, a lot of uh, it's it's kind of like a family gathering and, and, and having a lot of food and, and just a lot of conversations. And, and, you know, we have relatives from different age groups. So everybody was trying to just enjoy themselves and and even, you know, talk about what to see in Detroit, what, you know, what attracts people here, those kind of conversations. Um, uh, why Michigan? Those kind of conversation. Why do people want to live in Michigan? It was overwhelming with the, with the joy of meeting your family members at the same time, a lot of, you know, exciting information than you learn about a new state. Can you tell us uh, why your family decided to move to Michigan? Uh, mainly family. Um, and because, you know, I think when you move, uh, you migrate to a different country, you need a lot of support. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just not financial support. You know, it's just a lot of um, mental support. You need, you know, people to help you when you're maybe you know, in need of, uh, if you're into some trouble, you need, you know, you need somebody to help you with their advice. And, and, you know, when you move to a new country, you don't know anyone. So having family really, really helps. And I think part of the reason is that we had a lot of family members living in Michigan. It made it easier for us to move here. Second thing, I would say um, the job for my father, because when he moved here, uh, he did not have the similar type of job that he had back home. So he had to find something that works for him. And I think uh, when we had a lot of family members already living here and working, um, it made it easy for him to find something that works for him. So you mentioned that you started going to college here. Can you tell us which college you attended and what you studied? Um, so I started uh, at Wayne State University and I joined in the College of Engineering, but I did not know what type of engineering I was going to do. And the reason that I chose engineering is because, um, you know, I really enjoyed 
math. Um, I was not excellent in math, but I was, um, I really enjoyed working with uh, anything that involved math. And I was fascinated by science. So I thought those two combination was great for, uh, to pursue, uh, you know, a career in engineering. Um, while going through engineering school, I have, you know, I have taken many classes, many courses. So um, I was still deciding which uh, which type of engineering I want to pursue. And um, I realized that I really enjoy electronics. And also, it you know, with a lot of research, I also realized that the future is going to be you know, we'll be lying in electrical equipments. You know, everything needs to be automated. Everything, the world is going to want everything to be just easy and simple. And, you know, when you are, you know, working in electronics area and you're trying to just make it simple, like push a button and then things just work, you know, it, life can get as simple as that. Or like, you know, when I was taking robotic classes and I realized that, you know, when you even say a command with your mouth, you know, it just, you know, you can make things work and it's it's wonderful. So I, I think that really fascinated me and also helped me uh, pursue my degree in electrical engineering. At the time that you started doing engineering, um, you know, I imagine that you were still a small minority within the engineering field as a woman and as a person of color. What was it like to go through that process going through school? Did you feel like it was difficult or that you didn't have the tools you needed to be in those spaces? Or did you feel even more motivated? This is a very interesting question because, like, honestly speaking, I get this a lot, especially from um, other females who are interested in engineering. And um, I have to I have to mention this. When I was growing up in Bangladesh, I have heard a lot of women going into engineering school. I did not see it as a, a as a big issue. I did not see, see it as as this is just completely a man's field. Um, until I came to America and when I was, uh, when I would, you know, speak to my peers, when I would speak to other elders about going into engineering, I saw a very different reaction. And that made me realize, okay, I guess this is not an easy, uh, field for women to go into. And I had my share of battle in, uh, like, um, I think convincing some of my family members to uh, support me through this journey. But I have to say my immediate family member have supported me uh, immensely. And when I entered the College of Engineering, I did not know what I was going to face because I think I was very motivated to go into something that I was passionate about. But um, I did not know what kind of uh, obstacles that I will face. It is a very immense field. You go to a classroom of 20, 18 people out of 20 are men and two are probably women. There were many classes that I was the only woman. Uh, I have had, and, and this is very unfortunate, but uh, just want to kind of put it out there. And I know recently I have spoken to some of the female who are going into engineering and they had similar experience. And I was very, very surprised that you know, after so many years, this field is still treating women the same way. Um, 
I think in America, it's it's very discouraged for women to go into engineering. I'm not sure why, but I still see there's less female going into uh, engineering. When you see professors who are making, you know, remarks about very sexist comments like, why do you want to be an engineer? Why do you want to be in the men's field? At first, you think you take it as if like, okay, this is just a question for them to understand why I'm here. But then um, what follows up really surprises you. And and you really wonder that whether this is going to be uh, the field that you really want to be in. But then, you know, you have to ignore a lot of those things. And, and this is the, I think, the most difficult thing I would say. If you're passionate about this field, it's very easy for you to go in. But you have to learn how to ignore um, sexist um, remarks from um, even fellow um, students, even, you know, professors, you know, I mean, this, this, this is very common. Um, and I also realized that that also exists in, in the working field, but you have to really stay strong. You cannot let others just say whatever they want to. If you let them, they will. So I think being strong and determined will really help. When the Cakes by Lucky started in the community, it was a new trend to have Desi-themed cakes being made. And it was something that was different for the Metro Detroit area. What inspired you to start baking cakes and begin this business? I I think I would take it as more of, you know, becoming an artist. So I will take it as a cake artist. So I, I... I why I became a, became a cake artist. Art has always fascinated me. Just like I said, like you know, I think uh, this is a very um, to me. It's a very interesting thing when I learned about um, human brain and how you have a right, you know, a, a right side of your brain and the left side of your brain, and they work very completely different. <laughs> Um, when your left side is focusing on more of logic and, and, you know, helps you kind of think of like what I said, like in engineering and, and I was focused on that. Um, most people, um, say this and they, they like to think this is true that, you know, you can be only one-sided. And I, I disagree because I think everybody has, you know, both sides of the brain and you are capable of using both sides. You just have to be, you know, um, willing to uh, go into that kind of area. It's a different thing when you don't enjoy something. You know, nobody should be uh, pushing themselves to do something they don't enjoy. So I talked about my left side of the brain. My right side of the brain focuses on more of artistic things. And from childhood, like I was into uh, drawing, painting, those kind of things. I really enjoyed them. Um, And then it came to um, other things which I did not enjoy. For example, I will be very upfront about cooking. I did not enjoy until I saw there is art in it. And that, you know, as an artist, you can alter things as your likes and you can still make it look wonderful. Once I discovered that art exists in everything you do or anything specific, for example, uh, even sports, for example, once I understood that, okay, I can be creative, that's when I started really enjoying that. A particular thing. So when it comes to baking, I um, actually, when I was in Bangladesh, we did not have a conventional oven to bake cakes. I have seen my mom baking cakes on um, on stovetop and it was a very different process. Um, as a child, when you're looking at this kind of thing, you are not allowed to uh, help this kind of, you know, in baking process because they are not as safe. So I only observed my mom, but I was fascinated. I wanted to do it on my own. 
when I came to America, I realized that, um, you know, it's even easier to bake cakes because it's in the, you know, um, in the conventional oven. You just put it in, you wait and, you know, it's done and then you take it out. And I've seen my aunts doing those. Uh, and at home, they would make like very delicious cakes that, you know, I loved eating. And I think those kind of things really inspired me at the beginning. Um, when I started uh, baking on my own, I would make desserts, you know, um, for my family gatherings and stuff. And then I wanted to decorate cakes like other bakers. Um, but obviously, I didn't have that kind of knowledge. So I decided after my um, graduation <laughs> that I wanted to kind of take a decorating class for fun. And I think the journey began from there. When I started, uh, you know, after I learned how to decorate, I started making, um, you know, decorated cakes for my family and friends for their baby shower, for their uh, birthday, for, you know, different occasions. And I had a lot of admirer and I had a lot of wonderful friends who supported me and, um, you know, advised me to start a business. And I think that's how I started my journey. At the time of when you started Cakes by Lucky, did you find that there were other Bangladeshi women entrepreneurs in the Metro Detroit area? If there were, how did you draw inspiration from them? When I started uh, baking, so I, I because I bake from home, I'm a home baker. Um, I do not have a storefront. Uh, it was a very different process. Typically, you would see someone, um, you know, when they are doing this type of business, they will just open up a storefront and it just, you know, they have their guidelines and, you know, follow up policy. Um, here, I had a very different experience because when I started, I, like I mentioned, I, I was encouraged by friends and family to start this as a business. Um, and I took a baby step. I kind of like, um, I kind of understood a little bit of the business um, setting and I jumped onto it. I did not have a local home baker who I could just, you know, discuss this or, you know, understand how they're uh, doing their business. However, I did uh, follow a lot of home bakers who were um, from UK and they had in Instagram um, accounts that I would follow and I would see they would create very Bangladeshi themed, very Desi themed uh, cake. And it would really inspire me. So I would, um, I had the opportunity to get in touch with them, understand how they're managing their um, business while maybe they have family, while maybe they have a full-time job. And I needed to understand others' perspective. And I think um, one of the things that I wish at that time when I started is that, um, you know, have some local entrepreneur who was into baking. Uh, but uh, today I see many, many wonderful um, home bakers um, from Bangladeshi community. And it is very, I feel very proud, to be honest, uh, because I, I did not realize that this, this field can grow into such a big area for people to, uh, you know, um, grow their interest in. But it is, um, it is wonderful. I have to say, I did, I did see other Bangladeshi entrepreneurs in other fields, uh, be it, you know, event management, be it, uh, in, you know, in makeup artist. And, and I have, I have seen them working very hard, extremely hard to get their client to, you know, to make their business a success. And, and I have to say that I also drew a lot of inspiration from them. 
What does it mean for you to be a Bangladeshi entrepreneur? I take it as a great responsibility. I have seen people um, contacting me and asking me for advice. I have seen people who were very interested in uh, learning um, how to decorate cake. Particularly, they wanted to learn my technique. So um, they were asking me whether I will uh, be hosting classes. All this feedback has motivated me a lot to do better. And I, I think, you know, this is making me more of a public figure where I can see that people are being inspired. So anything that I do, anything that how I handle my business, how I interact with everyone, I take it as a great responsibility. I see that people are looking up to me. And, and this is something, you know, I think all the, all the entrepreneur in, from any you know, background, any ethnicity, I think they should uh, focus on encouraging others. They should help others uh, to overcome any any obstacles that they are having, and I think this is this is what life is about. You know, you want to um, inspire others to do better. It's not a competition. It's about you know um, helping each other. I am not going to live forever. You know, my business. You know, whether after me will somebody else will run it or not. That's you know that's a different question. But you know, if other people can be inspired and they can do similar things, then I think it's a great joy. And, and I, for me, it's an achievement. Did you feel discouraged by having a lack of female entrepreneurs? See, when you have passion of doing something, um, you have to pave your road. Um, nobody will come and tell you, this is easy. You can do it. Um, Let's do it. They will not walk your path. So unless until you are determined to achieve something, then nobody is there to help you. And this is with anything. Um, I think, you know, I earlier spoke about my engineering career. Um, you know, nobody really stepped up and said that you can do it. You know, I think um, if anything, uh, people were um, questioning my intelligence. Um, you know, I had a lot of um, struggles with it, but because I was determined and because I also got a lot of my support from, you know, some of my family and my friends, it really um, motivated me to be a better person, to work harder and and achieve what I'm determined to achieve. And, and similarly here, when I saw that locally, yes, there is no, you know, home bakers available. Um, I, you know, I have also went to, um, different baking stores and understand how they were doing their business and, and just to understand how the community is working, how the community, what is, what the community is desiring. Um, because you need to really understand what people want. You can't just, you know, go into something thinking that this is what I would like to create. This is what I would like to bake. And this is what I want to sell. People will only get or buy from you when they, you know, they are seeing what they want. So, you know, um, I think one of the things that really, um, I think, made me interested in this, like I mentioned that, you know, um, I consider myself as a cake artist because I get to do different type of design and cakes. And it's not just taste that you're focusing on. This is more than that. And like you mentioned that, you know, when you are creating something that's very um, ethnically inspired, um, it is it is taking you to a different level. Even though I did not have any local entrepreneur in cake business, you know, showing me um, a way um, 
And as I mentioned that I have had, you know, people overseas who, who are inspiring me on this. Um, I think I took a chance. I took a chance and, and I'm very happy that I did that because if I didn't take that chance, for example, like I will mention one particular design that um, I have not seen any local baker make it before. And I, I was inspired by, you know, someone from England who was doing this similar design and I wanted to try it. So when I brought it up to my customer, they were very excited and they, they wanted to have that. Um, and they gave me that freedom of doing something that I was desiring to do. Um, and it was, um, it's a kurta cake, you know, it's a Punjabi, you know, that we, we in Bangladeshis, you know, we call it a Punjabi. But, you know, typical, I think people know it as kurta. So when I created the design and the, the positive feedback that I got from people, uh, my clients, my family, my friends, it was overwhelming. And, and it also inspired me that, you know, I can do better. I can be more creative. I also occasionally take um, surveys on my Instagram post. I talk to people where I ask them, like, what kind of design do you want? You know, what do you want to see? Um, what, uh, what type of, um, you know, desi theme that you want to see in a cake. Um, and I think those kind of, uh, when people have a platform to speak up and if they see that, you know, their voices are being heard, I think it also encourages them. So I, I think all of this has inspired me. It doesn't have to be someone actually showing me the path. You know, it's, it's everybody. It's whether my my clients, my family, whether, you know, other bakers overseas. I know that you mentioned um, in past conversations with me that particularly you enjoy doing chinipan cake because it represents the Bangladeshi culture. And can you speak more to that? Chinipan means engagement. <laughs> I had to also learn this part of it. It's like, you know, I, growing up, I always heard the term chinipan, but I never understood quietly, like why they call it chinipan. And then I came to understanding that a chinipan is where they're actually doing, um, in India and in Pakistan, they call it batpakki. But in, in Bangladesh, we call it chinipan. So it's a different terminology. But what happens is that the two family will sit down and they will make an arrangement that this is, you know, this is official. You know, this wedding is happening. Uh, and they fix a date and whatnot. And um, and a very typical thing <laughs> that Bangladeshis do is like they eat the betel nuts and the betel leaves and they enjoy this after you know every meal. They, that's, the, that's the term that the pan comes from there, the, the betel leaf. And so you're actually, you know, enjoying those kind of things after a meal. And uh, the chini means sugar. If I really literally translate that the sugar, so sugar doesn't mean exactly sugar, but it's like anything sugar is stuff, anything sweet. So I think when it comes to chinipan cake, you can see like um, the cake particularly has the betel nuts, the, the betel leaves, and then anything that goes with it, uh, uh, that type of uh, thing. And also like the betel cutter, like those type of things are there. And the cake also represents as the sweet. So when you said chinipan and you know you're representing a cake with all the all this the um the the pan leaf and the beetle leaf and you know sorry the beetle nuts um it it kind of like brings out a lot about the culture and um when i first uh did this cake i 
do not remember exactly when, but I would say at least five years ago, five plus years ago. When I first did it, I, I looked at the cake as more of a challenge because I thought this design is not, you know, just easy to create. I'm going to have a lot of time to put in and stuff, which I did. I did put in a lot of my time because I wanted to make it uh, look as perfect as possible. But then you learn. As you do more and more, you get faster and you even you get more creative too. So I think I really enjoyed doing this till they stay. I really, every time I do it and I look at the cake, it just brings me joy. I think uh, that cake does not just uh, represent culture. It's also like brings two family together. And, you know, you just, the thought of how, you know, what this cake is going to do makes you just delightful. You spoke of some of the challenges that you had in terms of becoming an entrepreneur and trying to find your own path. Can you speak to any other challenges that you feel like you specifically um, dealt with and had? how did you overcome those? One thing I must say, and I do not think people who want to just do business, they have a business degree. They don't always go for a business degree and then they decide, okay, I'm going to do a business. There are many people who are from different fields and Suddenly, they they uh, grow some passion for you know a, a new business. I will say that when I started, I did not have the business mindset. Coming from an engineering background, my my knowledge was very um, technical. Um, I did not understand the business aspect of the cake baking. I learned how to bake the cake. I know what I want to do, but I did not know exactly what the process is. So I think I learned the hard way. And if I had to mention, I think I will say uh, for the last six plus years, um, what I have gone through, there were two big challenges that I faced. And the first thing is that communication, improving communication. You know, over the course of time, I have seen uh, where, you know, even whether you meet with your customer in person and over phone, like there's always like something that you're not aligned with. There is something that maybe, you know, you did not document properly. Maybe, you know, it didn't, um, there was, you know, something that's not clear. Over the time, I have come to a process where I make sure that my communication is very clear and they understand everything. I go through, you know, all the details with my customer multiple times just to make sure, you know, they're aligned with um, and then they are satisfied. The second thing that I uh, also, you know, learned and I also made sure that my customer is getting it is that convenience. I, you know, used to uh, meet with customers in person because I'm a home baker. It took a lot of extra time for me to come up with that kind of sessions and that kind of conversations. So I realized that even customers, they had to come up with time. We had to align with times and then, you know, whether traveling for me or for my clients. And it was just getting a lot of, I, I want to say a lot of um, difficulties, you know, for you during the day. So when you're ordering cakes, it should be for fun. It should be easy. It should be, you know, it should just make it, uh, you know, um, make you feel like, you know, you're relieved, you know, not stress about like, how I'm going to meet this person, how I'm going to go through this, all this um, process. I made sure that I can make my client feel very welcomed and very comfortable in a virtual world. And I think in if I speak in today's world, I think it's a very um, good thing to have when people are actually, um, you know, staying home and they're not, you know, allowed to meet other people. I think it's uh, it's it's coming very handy. So um 
I set up a process where people feel comfortable um, having conversation discussions with me. And also like it just it's easier for me to for them to uh, see what they're getting. How many baked cakes have you baked? So I have to say this, I I have not posted a lot of my cakes <laughs> from last year. I'm still in the process of posting um, because um pregnant and I had a baby. I, you know, the, I had a lot of interruption. Um, so till this day, I want to say 500 plus cakes I have made. I still have to post a lot of my cakes on Instagram. Alhamdulillah, uh, all praise to Allah that not posting any cakes is not stopping people from reaching out to me. So it's it's a blessing. Um, and I think um, being sincere and being true to what you're doing, um, it, it, it does pay off. Can you tell me who was your biggest client base uh, in the Metro Detroit area? My wedding customer. They are the biggest client base. And uh, I want to focus on uh, a lot of my Bangladeshi brothers and sisters who reach out to me. Uh, I find it very, very interesting when I see brothers reaching out to me and trying to understand the concept of cakes and how cakes work. And I have to be honest that at the uh, initially, I would think that they're men. They might not be interested in it. So maybe they want their female partner or somebody female family member want to deal with me. But I have had many, many brothers who were very comfortable um, ordering uh, their cakes with me, um, going through the details of their wedding cake. So um, I, I want to say it's a wonderful change and I am very happy to see this kind of change. I believe that also um, you mentioned that you bake a lot of cakes for the Indian community in Michigan. Is that still true right now? My biggest clients are Bangladeshi, so I have to mention that. And then my second biggest is Indian and Pakistani. So I have uh, those communities reaching out to me. It's a lot of words of mouth. A lot of uh, clients are because they have been to certain weddings and they have had my cakes. How has identity played a role in your business entrepreneurship? A great deal, because when you come from a, a, a specific community, you start a business, people hear that, you know, that you are doing something that um, can benefit them or might be, you know, is in their interest. They really come together and support you. And I think because I am a Bangladeshi woman, I started a home baking. You know, initially I had a lot of friends and, and even, um, you know, friends, families, I have had people like, you know, who actually went to certain events and they had my cake reaching out to me and asking me to create a certain design that they like, because they also see that I am from um, from a culture where they can relate to and they feel very comfortable that they can easily ask me to do those kind of design or come up with a new design and ask me, like, could you could you come up with that kind of design and and go through discussions where we can create so I, I want to say I don't create it. I always say that we can create it together because it's not just my idea. It's, you know, their idea too. I just bring their idea into life. So um, I think it's a very interesting process. When you are, you know, when you are from that kind of cultural background, people really trust you. Um, I have had clients who told me that I really like this certain design that you have done. And I really want something like that, but in a different color maybe or a little bit uh, tweaked around. Um, and I have a situation where I was fully booked and I could not take any more orders. But I had I had clients telling me that only you can create this because, you know, if I go to other, you know, 
bakers, they don't understand our culture. They cannot create this. Even if I give them a image of this cake, they, they're not going to understand this. They're not going to uh, do the job that we want them to do. Um, and it, this, this is very overwhelming uh, because, you know, you hear this kind of feedback and you're just like, wow, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just blessed that people see it as a, as a, you know, such a big work from me. And, you know, when you do this kind of thing, um, you also encourage your fellow, you know, bakers to do this kind of design. And, you know, it really like brings the community, it, it pulls the community up, you know, it doesn't, you know, it encourages others to come in. And I see in today, like when we have other Bangladeshi bakers, they're doing a lot of, they're doing wonderful job. They're doing a lot of those kind of um, cultural uh, artwork. I want to say, um, and and this is this is very encouraging, and I'm hopeful that in future, like we'll see more and more of those home bakers. What is your favorite thing to bake, and why? So this is, you know, I don't want to say favorite thing, a particular thing, because I, I love baking. So I love like everything that I do. I actually do with with all my heart. You know, with I have a lot of passion for baking. Um, anything um, that's uh, you know, I'm. I, whether I'm making it for for my family or for my client, like I, I tend to put my time and my love into it. So I really do care what I'm baking. But my favorite thing to do is bake something new. And I'm always looking out to bake something new uh, where I can, um, I can do trial and I want to master it. I want to alter it my way and I want to be successful. I think that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> What would you say has changed about your business over the years? When I started my business about six plus years ago, and I had people coming in to me for cake orders, I didn't have a, a good process layout. So I, I think over the time I, I, I laid out a, a process for my clients, but I did not understand that, you know, how whether I'm making this a uh, convenience for my customer or not. And I think over the course of time, I had to do a lot of those modification and I have to come up with a, a solution that, uh, you know, that kind of like eliminates extra time for me and my clients to come up with a decision. So there were, uh, there were a lot of things that I had and I went through that actually took extra time for you know, both parties. And I think I want to say I became more efficient and I made sure that, you know, that we come to a conclusion, you know, faster than, you know, that usually like, you know, if people are indecisive, for example, or, you know, and if I am part of um, a design process, for example, but those kind of things, just, you know, I have a more of a, I think I want to say more efficient process. What did you learn about yourself through this journey? If you are determined to do something, you can do it. Um, it's it's on you. You have to make sure that you are going to be persistent. You, you know, there there is struggle that's going to come. There is going to be, um, I'm not going to say that I never had negative feedback from people. I have had negative feedback. Um, you know, there are people, you, you when you work very hard and then you get very harsh feedback, it shatters your confidence. Uh, you have to put yourself together you pick up all those pieces that is shattered, you know, you have to put it together. You know, it's okay. Take your time. Um, you know, if you want, if you can put yourself together within the day, great. If you cannot take a week, you know, whatever time it takes, but put yourself back together and get onto it. 
nobody should take that away from you. What you're passionate about, you should achieve that. Just because of one or two person, they don't like something you're doing. Uh, and there are always going to be those people. And, you know, they should not discourage you. They should not take this um, away from you. Um, and I think uh, I have to mention uh, one incident that happened to me. And this is also a learning process. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just mention it because of that, because of people who are out there who are probably thinking of this kind of thing who do not have business background. Um, you know, I used to not take any kind of deposit. I used to let people pay me. Um, way after, you know, I have delivered my cake. Um, I was not strict about my payment or anything. Um, I have had a situation where I spent, um, you know, I was in a very busy situation. My, it was a, I had a family wedding going on. I had no time. I still took, um, an engagement order, which was a three tier cake with a, a sari drape on it. So it, it was a very, um, it was not an easy design, I must say, right? So it took some time for me to even invest in it. Um, like I said, I was, I did not take any kind of deposit. I trusted the client. Um, I worked on it, you know, for two days. I, you know, I had the customer pick it up. Uh, they did not make the payment. I was okay with it. I assumed that they will make the payment later on. I had that trust. When the client actually was taking the cake, somehow something happened. <laughs> I can't speak for them, but they have damaged the cake. And then it came back on me um, saying that I have not done a proper job. I was willing to travel go fix the cake as much as possible just because I did not, I cared for what I created and I wanted them to have their best event. So I took my equipment, I took my materials, I actually traveled to the location. Um, it was an event that happening in uh, that was happening in Dearborn. So from my, my place, it was about 45 minutes drive. I drove there. This is, this is something um, I did not have in a contract. This is something I did not sign up for, but I did that because I cared. And I went, I was in, in that restaurant's uh, kitchen. It was a very narrow kitchen. I made it work. I um, did my best to at least make the front look good for them to take pictures um, because they had damaged the cake very severely. So I, I did my best to fix it for an hour. Um, I you know, gave the customer the cake. I came back assuming, still assuming that, you know, you know there is good faith between um us. When, um, you know, a few weeks go by, I did not hear from the client. I reach out to them. Uh, and that's when um, I hear very negative feedback. I hear that they don't want to make the payment. And this is something, you know, you don't, you don't realize that, you know, yes, people do admire you. People do trust you. But then there are people who will take advantage of you. So you, you either learn the hard way or you be you know, you become, you, you are precautious of those kind of things. So I think I learned the hard way. And, uh, and that's why I say I made my process a better process. Um, I do deliver cake. And when I deliver cake, that's my, my, um, uh, responsibility to deliver you the cake when I'm making the cake. And I'm, I'm responsible for any damage that happens when you are taking the cake. This is your responsibility because if you go to a storefront, you know, the baker is not to tell you that, okay, you're taking the cake. If something happens, you know, um, you can come back and take your money. That doesn't work, right? And even if we are picking up the cake, you make your payment. Uh, so I think I just wanted to give you one example, just because I wanted people to know that this kind of incident happens. 
um, it's still a good world. You know, this kind of very, I mean, it's, you know, once in a blue moon, this kind of thing can happen, but that should not just take away your confidence. That should not just, you know, discourage you from doing what you're doing. Um, and I think this is this is this incident really, um, really made me kind of lose some hope in people. Um, but then again, like I said, it you know, I had to pick myself up. And I think people just need to understand that there will be difficulties, but you have to work on keep moving forward. One of the questions I think that people have a lot when they see a female entrepreneur and especially a Bangladeshi one, um, the question of how do you balance your time? Do you have any advice? I think being disciplined is a must. <laughs> um, you cannot, especially in cake business, when you are actually doing, you know, different things. So you're baking the cake, you're making the cream, you're uh, decorating. So there's a process. You cannot, you know, yes, you know, when I was, you know, I, I was not married. I didn't have a child. I could just, you know, stick to it and do it, you know, all together, uh, one after another. Uh, neglecting, you know, whether I'm eating, whether I'm sleeping, those kind of things. But when you when you are having um, your family of your own, then you have to create the structure because your family has rights over you. So you have to give your family their rights. Um, and then, um, you know, you have to, you know, find the time how you want to do your business. You want to continue your business. You want to. And if you're working full time, then you also have to figure out like how, you know, you're going to focus on that. So um, I think dis being disciplined is a must. Um, you have to have a structure and you come up with your structure because there is no model structure that fits you. I think, it, you know, different people have different uh, family dynamics, uh, different. Um, I mean, if, for example, like I have one child, you know, if somebody has three child, then it's a different uh, structure. So what works for you might not work for me. And what works for me might not work for you. But you have to come up with what works for you. And and it's OK. Take some time and come up with that kind of thing. And, and maybe you will do some trial. But, you know, it really after I had my child and I started getting back to doing cakes, I think that's that's another struggle I had. I had to figure it out what works for me. Um, so I think you have to find the certain time that works for your cake business, um, for your work, if you're actually working full time uh, and for your family, like how you want to handle the family time. Your family will require your attention. And I think regardless of what type of work you do, what type of business you do, I think family is a, a priority and everybody should uh, understand that and accept that. What do you want people to know about your journey? If I... I have to say one thing. I will say the main thing is that, you know, you come to America thinking America is a land of opportunity. And it is true. I have lived a great deal of my life in America. I want to say more than half of my life here. And um, and I also was blessed to see see growing up, how it is going, how it is to be growing up in a third world country like Bangladesh. I have seen how poor people can be. And I have seen how lavishly rich people can be, right? And then, you you know, in a first world country, you also see that how, you know, people who have been living in, in this country for generations are suffering, you know, financially and, and they don't have the opportunity. And then you see people who, like me, for example, like who migrated here and finding opportunities and doing something. And I'm not going to say that that I worked hard and I got everything. Yes, I, you know, I, I was blessed to 
have those kind of uh, uh, direction for me. I think this is very important. I think, you know, if somebody tells you that there's opportunity available, you can do this, you can go to this direction, you can, you can find this kind of opportunity, then that really helps. Because I, if I'm, you know, if I move to this you know, country and I have no resources of understanding how things work, what opportunities are available, then I might never get any chance. So I think one thing, if I must say that, you know, if a person like me who has um, come from a third part, you know, third world country, you know, went through my share of struggle and, and can do all these things, then I think possible for anybody. I am also a full-time employee uh, to, with the company. Um, I am very passionate about um, advanced driving, which is like automated driving. Uh, you guys must have known. Um, and I, I see that, you know, those kind of when you're focusing on those and learning about those, it is making people's life easier. And it is meant to be, you know, like just a, a easy lifestyle. But then, you know, you also like see that, you know, people are not able to eat in this country to even get to that kind of level, you know. But I, I feel like it comes, you know, comes down to a, all that one thing that you have to be willing to go through that struggle. If I sit at home and I say, I don't want to struggle, just, you know, somebody make it easy for me, it's never going to happen. And I think, um, you know, being determined and working hard can help you achieve anything. What do you want people to know about Detroit's Bangladeshi women entrepreneurs? The main thing is that they work extremely hard. And I have seen uh, the women entrepreneur from different fields who are restlessly working day and night to make their business a success. And this is something um, I admire greatly. Um, I must say that there are times that I am not able to even do those kind of things that I've seen other, you know, entrepreneurs from Bangladeshis are doing. I don't want to mention names, but I have seen a woman who had successful career and then, um, you know, with children and then um, they wanted to and, and they wanted to really focus on their on their business that they lived that they left their um, their successful career and then and then solely focused on their businesses. And they are very, very successful and they work extremely hard um, and. As everybody knows, like, you know, it's one thing to have a nine to five job, uh, very structural um, way of doing things than having your own business. When you have your own business, you work day and night. Uh, you have no time. You know, you are just basically you might you wake up at one of one a.m. and you might work on things. So it just it's it's a very different world. But if you're passionate, anything can happen. And. And all these women that I have seen, they, they're very encouraging. Um, I have seen like makeup artists to wake up four o'clock in the morning to do their brides. And then, you know, they have multiple events. So throughout the day, they're, you know, um, just going to different uh, brides and, 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 you know, um, getting them ready. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy because I have also seen like in the process, these women are neglecting their health. Um, you know, they're not eating properly because they don't have time, but they're working hard because they want to make a name out there. And I think if we support each other, it really makes it a little bit easier. I, you know, I know within the culture, there are people who, who somehow think that, okay, they, they're better off going to somebody, you know, who's outside of the culture. But I, I want to really encourage you to help 
people within your community and go to these small business um, owners, you know, and, and support them. It really, it, it might not be a great deal to you, but for them, they will remember you. And thank you so much for your time thus far. I want to leave off on a note of what is next for you? What do you feel like, you know, is your next project or next thing you'd like to do? Doing cakes on a regular basis is one thing. Uh, but like I said, I, I want to be creative. I want to do different things. I mean, in future, I don't know when is that. I don't know if it's near future or in the long term. But in the long term, I do want to have uh, a platform for young women to um, learn um, things about this cake business, things about how this baking and decorating, how this works. Um, I want to benefit my community and uh, I want to come up with, um, you know, something that kind of uh, motivates others to get into this whether they want to do it on the side or they want to do it as in, um, you know, more of a full-time thing. Um, but I want to encourage everyone that this is not, this is not something that, you know, that only like, you know, you do it for fun. You can do it um, as a main income too. Uh, you can grow in it. Uh, I, I hear a lot of question um, when people say like, how did you learn? Uh, I want to learn too. I want to get into it. I am um, very interested, but I don't know how I'm going to do. So my message to everyone is that um, find a way to learn, whether you are watching some videos and trying to do it at home or not. Uh, but yeah, my long term is that I come up with something that helps my community um, to learn more about this and also like encourage other entrepreneurs. I do not see myself doing a cake on a daily basis for the rest of my life. Uh, I like I said, I want to be creative. So maybe I will continue doing cakes who are more creative for me, who are satisfactory for me. But yeah, if there is a chance of helping my community, I think that's that's what I want to focus on. Anything else that you'd like to share? I would like to thank you <laughs> for the opportunity to, um, you know, giving me a platform where I can speak uh, my heart and I can um, also share my experience. So uh, if, you know, I wasn't given this kind of platform, I might not have the chance to reach out to others and or 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 even um, encourage others to this um, this type of uh, field. So I really want to thank you. I want to thank um, uh, Sada <laughs> so, um, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, I am hopeful that this this helps our community. This helps um, the Michigander to even understand better about our community and understand that, you know, what where we're coming from, what's our struggle like. So I'm very, very um, happy with this. Thank you so much, Amso Nahar. Learn more at Sada, S-A-A-D-A dot org. Stay tuned. 